let's take our Bibles this evening, jump right into it. In our Bible study, we've been going through on Wednesdays into the book of Galatians. And uh, it's been a few weeks since we've been here with Missions Conference, and we had a visiting missionary a couple weeks ago. So let's jump right back into it as you find your place in Galatians 5 is where we'll be. But Galatians 5, and we'll read and start in verse number 22 and go through to the end of the chapter in just a moment. But as you're finding your place, please keep in mind, once again, the overall context of this little book of the Bible. How Paul is writing this letter to the churches in a region of Galatia. But he's doing it for this main reason. Remember, there's false teachers called Judaizers that have crept into this region. And in these churches, spreading a false gospel. Paul called it a what? Called it a... Another gospel? All right, good job. Okay, we go back to chapter 1. No, just kidding. But Paul called it another gospel, which is not another. But uh, he said, look, it's another gospel of this. It's the gospel plus works, which is not the gospel at all. So these false teachers were doing just that. But he made it very plain and very clear when he let them know as he defends and declares the true gospel that salvation is by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus and not of the works of the law. For he said this in Galatians 2.16, For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. So, never forget, all right? I want to remind you until the day I die. Never forget that salvation is God's free gift to us. It is given by grace, accepted by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. All right? And this little book of the Bible solidifies that very fact of salvation. So let's continue our study together. And for the past several Wednesdays, as we've been in this book together, we've been looking at how to, how to combat hindrances to the race. And we found that phrase in Galatians 5 and verse number 7, when Paul said, you did run well, who did hinder you? And we know there's all kind of hindrances to our race, but the ones in particular we looked at, at least in the context of Galatians 5, are these, disobedience, uh, false doctrine, division, and devouring one another. These things were hindering the race of these Galatian believers. And it would seem as the, it would hinder the entire churches of, uh, of the area of Galatia. And all this was taking place. And of course, more, I'm sure, was taking place as far as hindrances go. But Paul, he didn't just leave them there to fend for themselves and say, ah, oh, you'll figure it out, right? He didn't do that. No, as a, an apostle, as a preacher, as an instructor in the Word of God, he wanted to help them. He wanted to teach them. He wanted to help these individuals know how they can uh, run their, way, their race better. He wanted to help them combat some of these hindrances and to move forward together. So how did we do that? Well, we saw, number one, the, the one way to combat hindrances is to serve one another, especially the hindrances of devouring and divisions, right? Because if we serve one another lovingly and willingly, I promise you, you're not going to want to devour each other. You're not going to want to pick on each other and, and just... Uh, nitpick each other. You're, you're going to serve one another and you're going to serve lovingly and willingly for the furtherance of the gospel. So that's one way we can combat these hindrances to serve one another. And then the main one we've been looking at as of late is this one, walking in the Spirit. Because if you walk in the Spirit and produce the fruit of the Spirit, you're not going to be having uh, or producing any hindrances in anybody else's life and especially something happen in yours as you walk in the 
spirit. This is the main way to combat the hindrances that do come our way. But as we dove into this a little bit deeper and walking in the spirit, we notice that this command was not a suggestion. No, no, no. This is a command. This is a command. This walk in the spirit is a command. And we are, as believers are to live our lives being led of the Holy Spirit. Walk in the spirit is a command. Then we saw there's a conflict. And that's found in verses 16 through 17. Now, we know and understand that it is important for every believer to walk in the Spirit. Would you agree with me? We've got that settled, I think. But would you agree with me one more time that it is important for every believer to walk in the Spirit? Yes? Okay. Do you find it hard? <laughs> me too. <laughs> me too. Understand when we try to walk in the Spirit, there is going to be a conflict. A conflict. A conflict between the sinful nature we were born with, that is the flesh, as Paul called it, and the Holy Spirit, which we were born again by. For so for every born-again believer, there is a battle between the flesh and the Spirit. And even the Apostle Paul himself struggled with this. You can see that in Romans chapter 7. But be reminded, in this conflict, the one that wins over, the one that's going to be consistently uh, winning in the battle is, the, is, this, is this side, the one you feed the most, right? The one you feed the most. If we feed our spirit, if we're in the Bible, reading, studying, obeying the Bible, if we're spending time in the presence of God through praying, and as we're spending time with the fellowship of believers at church and other, other times we meet together, if we're among the fellowship of believers, we're going to be feeding, consistently feeding our spirit. But if we don't, and we constantly feed our flesh, guess which one's going to win over in that conflict? It's always going to be there. But which one you're feeding depends on which one's going to be winning consistently. Walk in the Spirit. So we know it's a command. We see there's a conflict. But then we begin to look at this, the crop in this as well. And the first crop we came across was this, the works of the flesh. And be reminded once again, this crop, this fruit is rotten. It stinks and it's very destructive. And you can find those in verses 19 through 21. And if we walk in our flesh, this is going to be the works that we produce. And the outcome will be exactly that in verses number 19 through 21. So if this is our fruit in verses 19 through 21 that our life is producing, it's just a reminder that we are not walking in the spirit, rather walking in the flesh. But the one we've been really looking at here as of late is this crop, all right? That is the fruit of the spirit. And uh, we've looked at this past few Sundays. I'm going to pick this back up in our reading and continue on looking at fruit of the Spirit. All right, so look at it with me. Uh, verse number 20, 22, and we'll read down through verse 26. The Bible says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. Our Father, as we come looking at your Word of God, studying it tonight, I pray again you would open our hearts and minds. I pray that you would help us to focus in, not be distracted with other cares and worries and things we've got going on, uh, but help us focus in on, in this moment, in the next few minutes, on the fruit of the Spirit, especially as we look at this a trait is characteristic of it, of long-suffering. Help us to be patient people. And that comes as we walk in the Spirit. We love you. Thank you for loving us in Jesus' name. 
Amen. All right. So as we've been looking at the fruit of the Spirit here, quickly he's going to go over these couple we've seen thus far. Remember, as we dove into this cluster of the fruit, we've taken notice of this one, love. All right. That's the first one mentioned here. And we believe it be the first one mentioned for a reason because all the other elements of the fruit of the Spirit are a, a overflow or rather an outgrowth of the fruit of love. Everything flows from this deep, rich, fertile ground of God's love. And this is true love. This is a real love, not a love portrayed by the world, but rather a true godly love portrayed by Jesus Himself, because this fruit of the Spirit type of love is a sacrificial, holy, godly, selfless, a one-way love expecting nothing in return type of love. And that's God's love for you and me. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for that. Then we saw joy. Remember, this is not the exact, on the exact same level as happiness. They're not exclusively different, but they're not entirely the same either. You see, happiness is based on happenings, on the circumstances that surround our lives. But joy has a different foundation. Uh, joy's foundation is found where? It's found in, the easy Sunday school answer, it's found in Jesus. That's right, all right. It's found in the Lord. That's where true joy is founded. That's the foundation of it. And since Jesus never changes, guess what? We can always have joy, all right? Always. And then last time we saw this trait of the fruit of the Spirit, and that is peace. And peace is something everyone craves in their life. It really is. And yet it seems many are missing this very trait that they crave. Many are missing it. Why? Because they're looking for it in all kinds of different places, and especially in places that the world has to offer. And I'm even talking about believers, Christians, trying to find peace in other places that well, they can never find it. But Jesus made it very plain and clear when he said this, we're going to find our peace. John 16, verse 33. These things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. People look for peace in the world, but all you're going to have out there is chaos. If you want true peace, then you come to the Prince of Peace, the Lord himself. You'll find it there. Come close to the Lord. You'll find the peace that you truly desire. And then today I want to look at this trait of the Spirit, all right? This number four, long-suffering. Oh, long-suffering. Now, what does this word mean? Well, the definition really is found in the word it's itself. Uh, it means this. It means to suffer long, all right? Hence, long-suffering, okay? It means to suffer long. It means to be patient. It means to endure. It would be, it'd be this. It would be one who exhibits constancy. I didn't say consistency, but constancy, meaning to be constant and unmovable. It means to be steadfast, to persevere. This is what it means to be long-suffering. And any believer that is walking in the Spirit will render this characteristic. It will flow. It will flow from their life. Now, I'm not saying you'll be perfect all the time, but I'm saying as you walk in the Spirit, it will flow through. It really will. This is a characteristic of the fruit of the Spirit. Now, as we consider long-suffering, I would like to take note of a couple elements of this word itself. And uh, here's the first one, all right? Understand, long-suffering does not strike back. Uh, someone who is patient, someone who is long-suffering does not retaliate. Now, 
Again, in our natural mind, if someone strikes out against us, if somebody wants to do us harm, what do we want to do? We want to strike back. We want to retaliate, right? Anybody with me on that? Absolutely. That's what we want to do. And this is actually what our flesh would love to do. And again, it's really a work of, of the flesh. Remember what the Bible says in verse number 19. Well, just look at it with me. You're there on that page. Look at verse number 19, Galatians 5, 19, all right? Now, the works of the flesh are manifest. And he talks about several. Then go down to verse number 20, and here's these. The third word there, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife. Uh, this is the complete opposite of someone who is long-suffering. But this is the flesh's desire. That's what the, the flesh would want. They want that variance. They want that hatred. They want that strife and wrath to come back on an individual who struck out uh, to, to strike at you. But what's the character of God? Oh, what is that the Spirit would produce? It produces this, long-suffering. So the fruit of long-suffering is the complete opposite of the works of the flesh that is listed there in verse number 20. So let me ask you a question. Which crop is more evident in your life between the two? The works of the flesh when it comes to the wrath, the strife, the emulations, the variance, or could it be the fruit of the spirit of long-suffering? Uh, which one is more manifest, as the Bible says in verse number 19, in your life. Now, I'm not asking do you struggle with, with this. I'm not asking do you, do you, are you always patient all the time. I'm not asking for that. Because remember, we have a conflict. There, there's a struggle there. Yes, verse 17, it, it's contrary one to another. There's a struggle. But which one is being, let me say it this way, I'm using an industrial term, mass produced? <laughs> More often seen than not in your life. When it comes to the work of the flesh and the fruit of the, of the Spirit, and the one that's being mass-produced is going to be the one that you're feeding the most. And I'll be honest with you, and uh, you probably want me to do that, right? You want your pastor to be honest with you? Okay. I'll be honest with you. I do struggle with this one. I struggle with this one. Patience is not my greatest um, attribute, all right? Um, I struggle with it. And um, anybody else like that? I just want to know I'm not alone. Hey, man. All right. Thank you. There's a few of us in here. Uh, even today, driving the kids to school, there was on I-26, some of these drivers are angels, no doubt. Um, fallen angels, but they're angels nonetheless, right? Anyway, and uh, uh, I'm sure she's a sweet old lady. I'm sure she is. But um, as I was passing people, she decided to get behind me and flash her lights and wave her hand, want me to go faster, and, and um, that doesn't make me want to go faster. I'm just saying, you know, and so uh, I was just waving at her too. <laughs> and uh, um, so patience is not my greatest thing. And, you know, it probably is not wise. I don't, I'm just going to rant for a second. You just had to put up with me. It's probably not wise. I'm, like I said, I'm sure she's a sweet old lady, and, <clears throat> but it's probably not wise for a sweet old lady to get really mad at a, 39-year-old man who could easily just stomp her. You, you know, it's probably not the wisest thing in the world. So, <clears throat> what are we doing? Okay, anyway, don't do that, all right? <laughs> like I said, I struggle with patience sometimes, okay? 
But uh, it's not my, my, my greatest attribute, all right, patience. But listen, I do know this. If we walk in the Spirit, we won't have to worry about trying to be patient, right? I, I've been guilty of saying this. Oh, you trying my patience, <laughs> right? Be honest, you said it. You probably said your kids. I know you have. Or grandkids, whatever. You trying my patience. Well, I get that. I do. I understand it completely. But if we're walking in the Spirit as we ought to do, we don't have to worry about trying to be patient or try to work up enough patience. Rather, as we walk in the Spirit, it'd be a natural outpouring of the Holy Spirit in our life to be long-suffering. I get it. It's hard. I understand. There's a conflict. Yes, I know that. But listen, the Spirit of the living God will help us suffer long in those moments. He will help us endure when the pressures of life may absolutely fall down upon us. He'll help us. He'll help us when the sickness riddles our bodies. He'll help us when disappointments come, when discouragements raid our mind, when men attack, abuse, slander, or whatever else, fill in the blank, and do all sorts of things to harm you, either intentionally or unintentionally. He will help us. He will be there to help us endure, to, to suffer long, to be constant through those times that are sure to come. If we're walking in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit is there. If you're saved, you know Christ is your Savior. He dwells, lives, resides in you. And if you're walking in the Spirit, living, being led of the Holy Spirit of God, walking in the Spirit, this will come out. This will be a fruit of it, of long-suffering. Here's what Jesus said that the Holy Spirit would be to us in John chapter 14, all right? Uh, just, just one of many things, but here's one of them. In John 14, verse 16 through 18, And I will pray the Father... And he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him. For he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. John 14, verse 25 and 26. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you, but the comforter which is the Holy Ghost whom the Father will send in my name. He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. And Jesus said all of this in the same context of John 16, that we read just a moment ago. Let me read it again. These things have I spoken to you that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Understand from John 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17 was all in the same context of the same day and evening. <laughs> and he's talking about all this going on at the same time. But he was going to, we're not going to endure all these things on our own, our own merit and our own strength. No, no, no. We have the Holy Spirit of God. He will go with us through these things, suffer these things, or help us to suffer long in these things, to endure these things, but not alone. He is there as our comforter, as our guide. He is the comforter, the Holy Spirit. And as we walk in the Spirit, He will help us suffer long as we need to. So, there's an element there of long-suffering. Someone don't strike back. I guess He's going to help you with that. 
The Holy Spirit, as you walk in the Spirit, not the flesh. Then we see this quick element, all right? Long-suffering. This is really amazing. It really is. Long-suffering is part of God's good character. Now, be reminded as we think and talk of the fruit of the Spirit here, this fruit is really revealing the nature of God, all right? So these traits that are listed here in Galatians 5, uh, verse 22 and 20, 23, uh, the, as the fruit of the Spirit, they're part of God's nature. And I'm thankful for all of them. We're very hard-pressed to see which one is the best or which one's the most important. Uh, of course, we see there's an order there. Everything kind of flows out of that love. But I want to tell you something. I am really glad. I am really glad for the long-suffering character of God. I am super thrilled to know that my God is patient, all right? I'm just telling you flat honest with you that he is a patient God for the long-suffering of Jesus. And you say, why do you say that? Well, let me ask you something. Since you've been born again, have you done everything completely right? Good. I was going to say thank you for visiting from heaven. Amen, all right? No. Anybody ever messed up since you've been a believer? Two, three, four. Okay. All right. Cool. We've all messed up. Some of us say, yeah. <laughs> We've all messed up. None of us have done it perfectly. Uh, none of us have obeyed every area of our life. Should we? Yes. Sure. And I'm not trying to offer any excuse either. I'm just trying to be real. We've not always obeyed in every area, every area that we should. We've not always been an obedient believer and willingly to serve the Lord and happy about it. And sometimes you serve the Lord, but you wasn't full of joy when you did it. Anybody? Okay. <laughs> I understand that. But we're to serve the Lord with, the Bible says, gladness. But sometimes the gladness ain't always there. So we haven't always done it right. And it's been perfect since we've been saved and know Jesus, come to know Jesus as our Savior. We've not always done this. Mark 12, verse 30, Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. We've not done that perfectly. And if you have, please, please teach me. Help me with it. Because I have failed the Lord many times. And if we haven't always done what we should do all, uh, all the time and obeyed the Lord perfectly as believers, then what do you think we as ungrateful, um, disobedient, um, yes, even cantankerous <laughs> children of God deserve? William Barclay, he said it this way, if God had been just a man like one of us, he would have long ago wiped man off the face of the earth. Why? Because of his, meaning man's, terrible disobedience. Yet because he is gone, and part of who he is is to suffer long, the Lord gives us space, he gives us time to repent, and he patiently waits for us to return. It's amazing. When you sit down to think about the long-suffering of God. Let me give you a few verses. 2 Peter 3, 9, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. 
Romans chapter 2, verse 4, Or despisest thou the riches, meaning an abundance of, the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. Listen, the amount of long-suffering the Lord has is immeasurable. And a great example of this is found in the illustration of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15. And uh, let's just turn there. All right, turn over a few pages. Let's look at it together. We've got just a little bit of time. Luke chapter 15, all right? <clears throat> and the story of the prodigal son here, all right? And uh, many think as they come to the story of the prodigal son, it has more to do with the rebellion of that son. But I would dare submit to you this evening that I believe his story is not as much about the prodigal. I'm thankful for that story, all right? I really am. And that aspect of that story. But here's the emphasis, I believe. All right? The emphasis on this story is on the love of the Father and his great patience toward this rebellious prodigal son. I think that's where the emphasis lies. But look at it with me. Luke 15, starting verse number 11. All right? The Bible says, And he said, A certain man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that followeth to me. He divided unto them his living. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey to a far country and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country and he sent him into the fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my fathers have bread enough and despair and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee and no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. He arose, came to his father, but when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him, had compassion, ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto, the father, unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and be merry, for my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. I believe that illustration, that story there in the lost and found chapter of the Bible, it proves more of the compassion and love and long-suffering of our great God than it ever did of the rebellion of that young son. Because remember, the Bible talks about the riches and an immeasurable amount of what? Of his goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering. He has more patience than we could ever imagine. Waiting for us to return. And I know you have some family members and loved ones that you know is away from God. You've been waiting on them to return. Keep being patient. Keep praying. Keep uh, bringing their name before the throne of heaven. Because God's listening. And pray with expectation that they'll come home. Because with God, His riches of long-suffering it's immeasurable. 
So I'm glad that the God suffers, our God suffers long. The Lord is long-suffering. He's patient with us and gives us time to, in space to, to repent, to see our wrongness and to see His goodness and come back, come back to Him. But where does all that stem from? Again, where does it all come from? Where does it stem from? As we said in the beginning, and consider the fruit of the Spirit, this first element or trait of this fruit is what? It is love. And it stems and flows from His great Love for the world, for you, and for me. And because he loves us, this long-suffering is evident and is a characteristic of God. And as we walk in the Spirit, it needs to be a characteristic. It will be. I shouldn't say it needs to be. (laughs) Because if we're walking in the Spirit, it will be. A characteristic we'll have too. It will be... It is part of the fruit, fruit of the Spirit. Long-suffering is a fantastic thing, especially as we think about God. I want to tell you, it's also a great thing for us to and come out and be a fruit of our lives as well. People need patience from us. We're too quick to drop the hammer. Sometimes we need to be quicker to show grace and patience. You know, when I get to heaven, um, I'd rather Jesus look at me and say, Philip, you were just too kind. Now, I don't think he's going to say that, okay? <laughs> but what I'd say, I'd rather hear, all right? I'd rather hear, Philip, you're just too kind and patient and grace, graceful, gracious rather. Instead of the opposite, be true. So walk in the Spirit. And let long-suffering be a characteristic that flows from your life.